Hello, welcome back to Tune and Boot, the book that you can tune. My name's Dougal and today I'm going to be reading you my list of sentences that I've been writing for the last year. Um, yeah, bit of a awful bloody experiment this, to be honest with you. I'm just going to jump straight into it because there's, there's no time like the present and the present is now, isn't it really? Um, so, yeah, absolute shiter of a, of a... I hated it. I honestly, uh, yeah, I, I didn't like it at all. Um, it was a lack of enthusiasm and creativity throughout. Uh, I thought it would help every day, and it hasn't, really. So, it was just... This is a pointless effort in which I've written 12 pretty bad short stories... Before we get into that, album recommendation of the week is the album Cub by Wonder Horse. Uh, you can listen to any of the songs on that you'd like, and I'm sure you'll enjoy them. Right, let's get this up on the old laptop. So these are 12 short stories, one for each month that, uh, that I had to write this. The first sentence, looking at it, is already the best. So this is August's one, which I've called Legless Remedies. <clears throat> the forest was livid. It was not the only day that enraged a forest. Indeed, some days the forest was so annoyed, it didn't know what to do with itself. The forest was known as Kevin to its friends. The forest is not a character, only a setting, and will from here on in be known as Kevin. John, a small man with three fingers removed, walked into Kevin fondly. John had always loved Kevin. He continued through the trees with a joyful glee. It was at this moment that he noticed the large tractor slowly running over his legs. <laughs> while, while his legs were being destroyed slowly, John took a moment away from his howling screams of agony to reflect on his life. He felt he had wasted his legs, and indeed, they'd only ever really been used for the old Kevin constitutional. John felt, that he, John felt he would be best to use his next set of legs more consistently. Unfortunately, John was not the brightest of sparks. No one had told him that you only get one set of legs. Alas, John was wise to this. <clears throat> this is the story of John and his, con and his quest for some legs. Legs were a well-known commodity of the 2060s, so John knew his mission would be fraught with danger. This is when he bumped into Steve, the snow trowel, hiding in Kevin's peerless pines. Steve was 12 foot tall and fun to have at parties, <laughs> often telling tales of their times in the water. John was wise to his trickery and quickly shuffled away. He needed to pee and was sick of Steve's shite. John then left Kevin behind and went into the city. For ten years, John wandered to the city, as intercity traveller is incredibly hard for a man searching for his legs. Oh, that's just a bad sentence. Apologies. He made it there to a city called Durham, older and much more tired. It was as if his will for legs had wavered during his travels. As it happened, legs are not a necessity once you've spent ten years travelling without them. John was in Durham, having a great time. He was having such a good time, in fact, that he almost forgot the real reason he was sitting in the hospital waiting room. John wandered into the surgery room, and with 15, within 15 lonely hours, he had a new pair of legs ready to use. John jumped, skipped, and made good general use of his new legs. He died tragically seven days later in an underwater cave diving accident. So that was August. Bit surreal. I think quite a few of them are going to be like this. 
September's short story, Violet's Quest for Understanding. <laughs> Violet stood in a large field with only her favourite tools. She loved a spanner and was also partial to a Dutch hoe. She had trained as a fiddler with the Philharmonic Orchestra. It was a good life and she was ready to take this next step. Today Violet was going to do it. She was ready to become a scarecrow. She knew how to find the crows, but she had never quite understood how to get there. I'm sorry, just a little break. If you hear my voice wavering at any point, it's because I'm very confused at what the fuck I've written. So we had, she knew how to find the crows, but she had never quite understood how to get there. She also knew the training to scare birds was a rigorous affair. Violet stood tall and began to scream and wave her hoe above her head. True to her vision, not one crow came near her. She <laughs> <It's> mental. <laughs> she had learned a valuable lesson this day, how to scare a crow and the first steps to finding the correct tools. It was only two weeks later when Violet had realised that she didn't even need tools. It was only her screams and vigorous movements that scared the birds. Now that she had conquered this life, she moved on to number seven on her bucket list, which was to ride a lion while eating a Big Mac. The Big Mac was the easiest part. The lion was slightly harder to acquire, but Violet had an idea. She stood on a large-ish rock and began to sing the opening number to Lion King. Surprisingly, a number of animals came towards her and eventually a lion appeared. Violet leaped. She landed just behind the lion, injuring her pelvis, but Rose addressed the lion thusly. Let me get atop you, Violet snarled. Roar! replied the lion. <laughs> Violet was beginning to realise the language barrier was going to be hard to overcome, so began to play a quick game of charades. It was at this point that Diggle got entirely bored of this story. What is the point of this? I really don't care about Violet. I'm now really interested to see if the boys have kept this up so long. Violet had achieved everything she wanted to in life, so she decided she would now give life to someone else. She ran out the door and fucked 25 glorious woodsmen, harvesting their sperms for her grand plans. Three years later, she had a young boy called Barrett who would later go on to be the top regional salesman at Fund Sour Direct. Barrett had an absolutely lovely life up until his 15th birthday, 50th birthday, where he blew up unexpectedly. And so ends quite possibly the worst story I've ever told. <clears throat> So this was only two months in and I'm already um, doing some self, self uh, meta-textual stuff in there. Uh, and yeah, quite clearly I had listened to the podcast. My dad wrote a porno around this time. Because there's a couple of things in there that I've definitely just nicked from that. October is called The Poem of a Thousand Wings. The game begins as the day shall surely end. And today was the day we had to bend. Call on your brakes to build you up tall. Leave it to the Ottomans. You will never fall. The waves fill the storm, which bounds around the square. These waves, they dash from side to side, not going anywhere. What now does water have to offer in places it cannot go? To and fro, to and fro to and fro. Water only flows when it's told the way, and the flow can alter, we ch can change it day to day. A tsunami floods the island while a ripple attacks the dock, 
Danger is a perceptive mess. We do not join the flock. Oh, damn those naysayers being lame slayers. They kill and incorporate prayers, big game players. Why should we now have to go to war? Why do others tell us what we fight for? It's only one more day, then the planes resume. The smoke engulfs the lazy house, it gusts and roasts and plumes. Fire, thunder, rain and mud. All of it rages, the pain, thud. Choo, choo, where goes you? Foo, foo, get it round you. The lights, they roar in quiet contentment. But the living, the alive, buried in resentment. All we need now is that perfect close. The one thing in time that can never have froze. For hence we arrive, the end is nigh. I think I'd like to be a little bit high. We take these words and do with them what you may. But if they yield no result, then email me your dismay. Fuck, there's 31 days in October. <laughs> that's, that's not bad. Let's, let's, you know. We gotta be nice to ourselves at some points, don't we? So that's the first three done. Um, that po- I don't know what I meant. I got a bit into saying it more than I was um more than I was doing. I tried to do some different things. I think this next one is a conversation. That one was obviously a poem, trying to just rhyme as many words together as I could, and then realise that Halloween exists. November, I wrote a piece called Friendship. <clears throat> some voices in this one. Oh, it's a gorgeous place. It really is. Ah, thank you so much. I've been working on it for months. Oh, it's fantastic. The trim on the bathroom is, well, fantastic. Isn't it just? Do you know it only costs five pounds a metre from a local seller? You must give me their details. I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? I mean what I said. If I say I can't do it, I can't fucking do it. You don't give yourself enough credit. What are you prattling on about? I'm not really sure. I've forgotten the details. You haven't, have you? I absolutely have. Well, now is as good a time as any. Would you like to marry? I would, but only if father can build me a rocket ship. Father shall, of course, supply the rocket ship. It's about time. And the time has rightly come. What do you mean? The time has come rightly. Fuck off with your riddles. You've barely said a thing all day. I'm sorry. I'm in despair, you see. What could you possible have to despair against? Probably meant to be possibly. My old poodle couldn't make the trip to the new steadings with us. Oh, I'm so sorry. How dreadful. But why was it not able to come? It died a horrendous death. One involving scissors and three French battalions. I always knew that poodle would be trouble. I wish you'd have told me. I didn't want to upset you. After all of this, I have to admit, you're a good friend. So, that was nonsense. Even in comparison, I think I I didn't really try in November. I don't think I tried after the first two months. I'm not going to lie. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Take from this what, if you have any thoughts about any of these, keep them to yourself. December is called the Christmas in a time of trouble. Let's go. 
Oh, I've done this, haven't I? Great. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a filofax full of old cheese. <laughs> I, I think that's quite funny. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a myriad of expensive peas. On the third day of Christmas, of Christmas, my true love gave to me a kite-shaped lifetime guarantee. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me regret at the thought of this experiment. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me the underside of a cow bloodied with bowels of their victims. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a flesh-eating virus that led to the loss of my limbs. On the seventh day of Christmas, a new virus was released into the atmosphere, turning many people into horrendous monsters. On the eighth day of Christmas, the monsters came together and began to plan a coup in order to replace the human race. On the ninth day of Christmas, the unaware world went to Christmas markets and had a lovely time not knowing impending doom is only a few moments away. On the tenth day of Christmas, the first of them returned, after years away, to watch us and live among us. I was at years away, it was like two days out. Oh, for fuck's sake. This is what happens when you don't read back as you're writing. Which I didn't do at all, I think. Anyway, on the 11th day of Christmas, the lamentation began as the unawareness of doom settled in full effect. Into full effect. On the 12th day of Christmas, nothing much happened as they lurched in the light, waiting for luck to run away. On the 13th day of Christmas, everyone had a rather ironically lucky day as they were allowed to survive. On the 14th day of Christmas, the first wave attacked, multiplying and roaring through ashen leftovers. On the 15th day of Christmas, there was silence and poignant mourning. But this was very one-sided. On the 16th day of Christmas, the silence was ended. The waves returned to extinguish the smallest of lights remaining. On the 17th day of Christmas, we decided that was enough and now was our time to stand up and fight back. On the 18th day of Christmas, we got to work. On the 19th day of Christmas, we planned and we waited, employing a tactic that had almost eviscerated us. On the 20th day of Christmas, we attacked and they attacked back. On the 21st day of Christmas, it was agreed that we had regained pride and honour that had been lost so shortly before. On the 22nd day of Christmas, we waited for retaliation, realising it would come, but hoping it would not be as devastating as what came before. On the 23rd day of Christmas, we had some nice salmon. On the 24th day of Christmas, we agreed a ceasefire with the enemy for the hours of a day. On Christmas, everything was fairly normal, except for a cold chill drifting through the air, reminding us that we were moving ever closer to the next day. <clears throat> on Boxing Day, the sirens were dusted off and we lost many. On the second day after Christmas, we remembered our vows and our strength for one final chance at survival. On the third day after Christmas, we valiantly fought to our bitter end, knowing that it was this or extermination. On the fourth day after Christmas, the human population as we knew it was wiped from existence. On the fifth day after Christmas a new civilization was established. Genetic tissue was cloned from our old selves but free of our faults and failings. On New Year's Eve, as we percolated ready for our new beginnings, we realised that we finally got to live the phrase New Year 
new me. Bit of joy. Let's hop straightly on. I'd prefer not to dawdle on any of these for any length of time because we don't have the time. You know what I'm saying? Now, I remember specifically, just before we go into this, January onwards, it just gets less and less um, interested in itself, this work. There's some bits that I found quite funny or interesting in those first four or five. That's gone now. So get ready for this. January, optimism. <clears throat> I think I'm ready. I really think I am. Just that little bit more and then I can get there. A crack! I continued to struggle and move through. Eventually, the crack widened. I moved forward further and here we are. The light breaks through. The head follows first, diving into the light. The rest of me comes forward, relieved at the release. One step, now once at a time. One leg out, the other follows suit. Finally, I see them. The wings flourish in a frenzy. Swooping, swolling, swishing, swinging. The mid fly then they fly majestically as i face freedom i'm only now seeing the sun the beauty of life and everything a rebirth some might say it's more than a readjust it's more a readjustment there is time for rebirth sure but we are still the same consciousness i begin to play to soar higher melting away into the breeze the clouds evaporate this is living i love freedom i love to soar i love the view the time comes and I lower myself back to the ground. I lay on a leaf and feel the wind, the breeze and the warmth of the glowing ball. I am alive again. The days began to fly as I felt every movement of my life. The wildness of thought, of experience, of living filled me with a perfect matinee of excitement. Never stop, not now. How can we stop? These things should never stop, but they have to. A circle brought me here and gave us a new beginning, and a circle must start again. The circle never stops, but it does require a new beginning, otherwise it gets stale. Dull and unending, the thrill stops, the circle falters. The end, the end of all things, we only have ourselves. Reborn, returned, and reborn again. Life is but a fleeting moment of joy, evidenced in the butterfly. I was having some dark thoughts maybe <clears throat> around the last couple one about humanity and existence and just the end of everything apparently so uh you don't need to call me i'm absolutely fine february called this one sin forgive me for i have sinned well i haven't really sinned but the others have the six months we've done this i've found out the boys have really screwed the pooch on this one. Oh yeah they they fell massively behind a bit those motherfuckers gave this prompt to us and haven't kept up with it. Well, I have, and I can be proud to say, fuck them, they have sinned. And that must be it. I win, it's over halfway, and I'm the only one what's done it. Does it make me better than them? Yes. Does it make me feel like the best tuna? Yes. Does it make me almost invincible? Yes, in one aspect, knowing most of them. Well, damn. I missed two weeks of this godforsaken task. Ironically, it happened to be the month that I'm bragging about doing well. Egg and my face were in alignment. Now I'm just stealing lines from the IT crowd. This is becoming less of a series of story and more a stream of consciousness. What you don't know is that I'm actually a rather smart squirrel. And what first comes across as a self-reflective story is actually a clever notion of animalian consciousness. 
I don't think animalian is a word, but I like it. It describes me, the conscious, intelligent squirrel. I don't even like squirrels. Shit. I've now become a self-aware, self-hating animalian. Thank fuck this is a short one. This whole thing has been a travesty. One big, long, fucked-up fever pitch of a show that will never happen. Just move on from that one. March Awakening. Ooh, what's this about? <laughs> when George awoke, that'll be it. When George awoke, he noticed that all was not quite as it should be. For one thing, his bedtime mittens were on backwards. Those who knew George should know he would never wear backwards mittens. That would be the work of a madman. In addition to the ridiculous nature of George's mittens, he had also changed his shorts mid-sleep. A sleeping shortchanger was a person George could never trust, and so the crisis began. It is Wednesday, or it was at the time of writing, and George changed his shorts again. He was ambivalent at the time, but when he woke, he was livid. When he awoke, he was livid. The audacious shorts were now becoming a problem. Luckily, George knew a tailor who could get to the bottom of this problem. The tailor was called Greg, and was a dab hand at self-turning shorts. Greg took in George to look at his shorts. Turns out that it wasn't the shorts themselves turning themselves, but a short demon called Tam. Short demons are notorious little buggers and extremely hard to get rid of. Tam was no exception to this rule. It would take George guts, agility, and a hell of a lot of Africanized bees to get this one con. George didn't currently have any Africanized bees to hand in a somewhat comical change to usual. <laughs> I like that. Uh, <laughs> that's strange. So he set about herding bees. Bees. Oh my goodness. Oh no. I can't. I can't believe that that happened. Bees, being notoriously difficult to herd, were not very accompanying. All the while, the short demon Tam was terrorising the undercarriage of George's shorts. In a short but shortless 27 years, George had gathered three bees. None were Africanized, but they were all unhappy. <laughs> the bees eventually banded together to defeat the bee oppressor, George. They hailed Tam the short demon as some sort of legend in their fight for freedom. Bees don't wear shorts, so are therefore unaffected by Tam's mischievousness. Thus, the bees and Tam went on their merry way, leaving the decaying George intact. I suppose this should be a cautionary tale, although I'm unsure what for. Don't herd bees. Don't wear shorts. Don't fight demons. Perhaps we'll never know. I mean, that wasn't bad. It wasn't good, but, you know, you got it. After the depressing December, January, February co uh, coda, I suppose that was quite nice. April, I've written a recipe for you. It's just as weird. It's I'm such a weird writer. No wonder my company is fucking surrealist. This is so strange. April, a recipe. All right, first take four eggs and whip them up real nice. Then grab a big old cup of sugar. Put the sugar in the eggs and bosh, that's a meringue. Bring the meringue to a parental household. This name may not specifically be your own parents, but should be a household that has parents. Give them the meringue. Go home and bake Alaska. Once Alaska is suitably baked, return to the parents' house and give them Alaska. Sit back and watch the showering of love. Don't contact anyone for two weeks. Run away with 
Run away, run away from any sheepdog that comes within two metres of you. Wait another week, but allow sheepdogs nearer. Grab three cups of passion fruit puree. Launch that in a bowl. Grab three cups of vodka. Launch that in a bowl too. Mix with some sugar and a little lime. Pour into a martini glass. Bring the martinis to your non-specific parental household. Offer the martinis. If they accept it, gladly hand it over. If they refuse, cry repeatedly until they do accept. Never tell them your secret ingredient. Once the martinis are finished, offer to book a family holiday together. If the martinis are made correctly, no parental figure will be able to refuse. Book a nice holiday to France. Go to France. Have a lovely time. Return home. And that's how you make memories with new friends. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. I'm so confused. We're into May, June, July, August. We're into the last four. I'm going to have to stop at some point, go and do something and come back to finish this. It's just mad. May is called Confessional. Confessional. Do I have to read it like this? No. <clears throat> Might put a darker cadence into my voice for this one. Let's go. May. Sorry about the clap. There are many times in life when you feel wronged. Either you have wronged or someone has wronged you. That can often lead to further wrongdoings. Further and further down that road, there is never a right turn. We all stare down that road sometimes, in the cacophony of wrongdoings. Never meant to walk further, yet incapable of turning back. This is the point where we must ask, why? Why do we live in this vacuous nothingness, only living to wrong another? Why can we not move in the right direction? Right and wrong do not live mutually exclusively and we must accept this. Once you have come at the right time, no, sorry, you have come at the right time. This is your time. Time to build and turn the corner. My friends, welcome to the start of something bright, something brilliant. We as a people have always been destined for greatness. However, we find time and time again that this is thrust further from us, tearing down the ambulance of brilliance. There are those who will fight it from us, tearing down the ambience of brilliance. There are those who will fight it from us. I Yeah, I read the same sentence twice. I didn't mean to do that. This is your time. We only now have found the right place, the right opportunity. Tell your neighbours, tell your lovers, now is the time. This is the only chance. All we need from you is a 75% down payment. Then the box is yours at cost price. Sell the items at retail and boom, you'll make the money back in no time. The great thing is we won't ask for money until you sell your box. One box will make you a quick buck and soon... You'll have people doing the same under you. Welcome to the pyramid. You know, it's okay. June, uh, June was all about a song. Because <clears throat> I'd started listening to <laughs> Pump Up the Jam. So songs were in my head at this point. I'm a very easy man to understand. What I watch and listen to is basically what I do. June, a song. 
Hmm. There are 500 songs released every second. Do not fact check me. Of these 500 songs, 33% will never be heard. The 67% that are heard will depart into the canon. Of these, only two or three will be heard twice. Of those two and three, or, or three, only one in every hundred will be listened to on repeat. Do not fact check me. I think it gives you a broad stroke impression of how hard the music business is. It is indeed hard. So don't put too much pressure on yourself. Every 0.02% of songs released will be repeated. And who knows? It could be you. You could repeat a song. I'd quite like to write a song myself one day. Maybe it could be about quinoa. The quinoa paradox. A love song about stuff you don't love but should. That's not bad. You should all love quinoa. But it's quite hard. How can you love something starting with a Q and having a double vowel obnoxious ending? Fuck quinoa. Why do superfoods have to be super but not taste super? Is that a song? Maybe it's the most original song yet. I'd love to write a song one day. Maybe I already have. Do not fact check me on that one. I'm not so keen on you. Ah, there's nothing good to do. Ah, it shocks me that you're food. Ah, oh well, let's have you keen. Ah, that'll do. Song written. Courses are easy. Goo goo kachoo. Oh yeah, because we did August last year, so July. This is the last one. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, I forgot about that. Because it's still August. I'd still be writing this shit. Well, there you go. Um, thank you for listening. I'm going to leave you on this one after. So I'll do all the admin first. Uh, it's been great having you here. Thank you so much. Sorry this is a couple of days late. Be mental. Um, and we'll all be back soon. Uh, once next week will be Liam's uh, one. And I think he's uh, written fuck all of it. So that'll be interesting to see how busy he is this week writing it. Um, or he might just do a Dungeons and Dragons story and have stopped it um, that he's already written, which would be cheating. But we'll see. Uh, yeah, so grand finale. July, the grand finale. Do what you want. Like and subscribe. Send us an email. Tell us about this. I don't really care um, what you do. Uh, we are we are going to be soon looking at revamping and changing what we do a little bit bit i really can't tell you that but i'm gonna say yeah there's gonna maybe be something different all right that's all i'll say don't get excited this is <laughs> i just want to hang out with jim and liam sometime this is july the grand finale well we've made it Wasting a year of our lives creating nothing. I would have hoped we learned something, but we didn't. It was a challenge to write a sentence a day, but not in the creative sense. Very little of what I've written is coherent anyway. No, the challenge very much came from being fucked. Even writing this, I've given up. Instead of something creative, I'm simply writing my thoughts down. It's another podcasting work that has amounted to achieving nothing, which is great. I'm a very happy man. I'd like to end this on poignancy. So let's go for it. A poignant point for a pointless practice. That's probably a good start. There's too much going on. My brain is like a fish and chip shop that only that also sells Chinese food. How the fuck would you keep on top of that? Run a cafe and run a company. Easy, said no one. Absolute hot stinking garbage.
I actually did rewrite that last line, but on the same day, so I think that's fine. This has been troubling to say the least. Should open the mountains of creativity. It does not. Oh well, another junkyard idea for sure. I wonder what a cinnamon bagel tastes like. They probably taste like cinnamon. It's almost the last day. I've loved every moment. Please love me. If this has taught me anything, it's that one sentence a day does not bring happiness or love. It only brings a slight sense of dread that you've missed deadlines every day for a year, which I'm not thankful for. Good night. Skish, skish, <laughs> belush, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs>